Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools, and we're here to promote and to defend public education. Now, that's education that is public in purpose and outcome. It has served our country well until recently, and it still does in many, many respects. It is also public in access. In other words, it's the only system the only system that is publicly available to all children. You have a problem when you fund schools that are not open to all children. And you've also got a problem with autonomous, independent so-called public schools where principals are given the right to enrol only those children that they think suitable. And this also has been happening. So we have to fight for the idea and the practice that every public school is open to any and every child in its local area. Now, as well as that, they should be publicly owned and controlled without public-private partnerships. And we're also going down this path of private-public partnerships and putting ourselves, our children and our children's children in hock to private construction companies. As well as that, public education should be the only one that is publicly funded because it's the only one that can, in theory, be publicly accountable. So long as you've got a bureaucracy which is properly funded and manned to get the information. Otherwise, ministerial responsibility is a furphy. It's, it's a myth. Our governments, if they were genuine democratic governments that are governing for every person and every child in this country, every citizen, every taxpayer, every child of the taxpayer, our governments should provide a first-rate public education for every child in this country. And this also is something we still have to fight for. Now, about 60% perhaps a bit more, of our children are in public schools and the public schools are still doing a fantastic job under very, very difficult conditions in the current ideological climate from Canberra. And one would have thought that it might be better at the state level too. And it appears to be, but once again, even if you look beyond the uh, ideology and the nice words, It's not necessarily so. We have a website, the dogs, www.adogs.info. 
and we're up to press release 655 this week. Last week, uh, we gave you a press release on the state budget and I told you that it was a really a mass of, of words when I looked at it and uh, there are only a few really key figures that I could get out of whatever it was that was provided for the public on uh, the uh, Treasury website, but other people have got a bit more out of it. They were obviously uh, being told by people in the know or by politicians they were able to get the information. But what is publicly available is becoming more and more obscure or full of words and uh, nice motherhood statements. So, a tale of two budgets and the winners... Private Enterprise and Sectarian Education. Again, both state and federal budgets leave private sectarian education as the quiet winners in their 2016-17 budget papers. First of all, let's deal with the state budget. On the surface, the Victorian state budget looked promising for supporters of public education. The state treasurer announced a surplus and allegedly poured money into our state education system. But nothing was said about the state money pouring unquestioned into the non-compliant Catholic Education Office, which transfers funding for the disadvantaged into new schools and existing wealthy ones, nor are the figures provided for the continued funding of wealthy private schools engaged in a resources arms race. It seemed that the state school lobbyists and the middle classes of the inner cities who are voting with their feet into the local public schools have finally caught the attention of state politicians. But the federal coalition are lagging well behind. They may discover this uh, to their regret in the public school election that's coming. But the private schools are quietly pocketing their 25% of anything spent on public school children at the state level. But that's interesting because... Private construction companies are also lining up for huge slabs of public money. Now, why am I saying this? Much was made in the state budget of the announcement for the building of new public schools, about 20-odd out of the 220 needed, but these will be built with private-public partnerships. And according to Ken Davidson who is an old-fashioned but very thorough economist um, who, who knows his uh, economic theory, he says that if one considers the current low interest rates, this is madness. He writes, and I quote him, Tim Pallas was right to argue that the state government can take advantage of low interest rates to invest in productivity. But we can go further because the crucial issue is to ensure the economic return on any investment exceeds the cost of the capital. If public debt is invested to yield a positive return, it will be a boon and not a burden for future generations. But it's also true that in terms of a business case, the lower the interest rate, the lower the rate of return necessary to cover costs. It would seem that only a mug government would fund investment in public infrastructure, justified or not, with a debt that costs 9.5%, when the government could use its AAA rating to borrow conservatively at 3.5%. 
And yet this is what the state government is doing. According to the budget papers, the funding for public-private partnerships, which are listed as long-term leases, totalling some $12 billion, require finance charges or interest payments of $880 million. In the lead-up to the budget, the government announced it was funding 15 new government primary schools as 25-year PPPs, with a total value of $291 million. And on the basis of the budget's average PPP interest expense, this will cost $30 million a year, compared to $17.4 million a year if the money was financed by public debt, and we actually owned the thing and weren't leasing it. The difference over 25 years adds up to $315 million, which would be sufficient to finance another 16 primary schools. Now, if the government, that's the state government, we're talking about the Andrews, the Labor government, if if this plan is such a good deal, why doesn't it insist as a condition of its considerable contribution to the funding of non-government schools that their capital funding be structured as PPPs to capture the efficiencies inherent in this type of funding? Any Catholic school uh, that is built is actually and becomes the property of the Archbishop, the Archbishop's soul. It's in his trust at the end of the day. It is alienated from the public estate and we are contributing, certainly through interest rates and so on, to this um, asset base of a multinational religious corporation. Very interesting, but we never ever get those facts or that uh, actual cost, do we? Now, most of the efficiencies that are inherent in private provision of infrastructure can be captured by open competitive tendering in contrast to the secrecy which is inherent in the process of selecting the private partners for PPPs, especially with the latest variant market-led proposals where private participants participants, I'm sorry, initiate the projects. And then if the public want to know what's going on, they talk about commercial in confidence. And we're dealing with public money here. The major non-ideological justification for PPPs, rather than competitive tendering, is that the Victorian Public Service is no longer capable of managing major infrastructure projects thanks to severe staff cutbacks outsourcing and politicisation, even for relatively straightforward projects such as school construction. And look what happened within the Education Department recently when they privatised or they contracted out IT and there was a bad egg, a bad egg who actually had connections with the Catholic Education Office in the actual bureaucracy and uh, there's a question of people going to jail about that. Now, the total spend on government school infrastructure in the current state budget, according to Ken Davidson, is $662 million, and most of the $287 million expenditure on new schools will be announced eventually as PPPs, and the remaining $385 million will be spent on upgrades. Listeners, none of this would be relevant. There would be no such thing as PPPs if they hadn't done away with the Public Works Department uh, in the 1980s. Four of the new secondary schools that they're going to build, and these are going to be in Coburg, in Beaumaris, in Pran and Richmond, 
they're actually costing a hundred million, and they are replacing schools that were sold by the Kennett government as part of its policy of meeting his so-called debt crisis, which they claimed they inherited from the Kane Kerner government, and that was over that very strange state bank affair. So um, that's. Uh, what Kenneth Davidson has to say, and I think that we should take note that PPPs are not the way to go. The way to go is to have a public service bureaucracy which does the um, either the tendering and even the construction. There would be lots and lots and lots of jobs and apprenticeships if we still had our public works department. So that's all I'd like to say uh, in this press release on the state budget. But let's go to the federal budget. Now, there's been uh, a population shift in Australia as well as actually having immigrants, and we do. We even take some refugees, believe it or not. They come uh, courtesy of Qantas, I suppose. But the baby boom and the flight to the public schools by middle Australia, particularly in inner Sydney and Melbourne, has not yet registered with the coalition in Canberra because there's now a lot of evidence that the private schools, particularly in the inner city, are not booming as well as they would like, and the middle classes have worked out that the um, mortgage payments and the fees no longer add up with their income. They're in trouble, and what do they do? They have to have a roof over their head for their children, so they are considering what they believe to be good state schools and looking at real estate in that area. So there has been a movement to the state schools in the inner city, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne, but also uh, in the outer suburbs as well. Now, although the coalition assiduously turns a blind eye to genuine disadvantaged, they have partially responded to the Gonski lobbying with an extra $1.2 billion in bonus funding over the next four years. But this includes $118 million set aside for students with a disability, and it falls well short of the $4.5 billion that's promised by Labor between 2018-19 as part of the Gonski reform model. However, Spending on specific purpose programs is also going to be cut from $712 million to $119 in 2019-20 and there's no extra money for preschool access for four-year-old children and that program's set to cease in 2017-18. So it's a very strange budget indeed. And the extra funding is going to be tied to standardise literacy and numeracy testing for students in year one. And we're going to have such a test in a moment. It's going to be a very interesting test and Dale is going to test you. That's if you're a year one student, that is. And the linking of the salaries of teachers to the national teachings, teaching standards is also uh, going to be something that is tied to this money. So... I feel very, very sorry for teachers uh, who are in this kind of uh, situation. These requirements that they're putting on this this extra billion dollars, uh, they parallel recent developments in the United States and England that we've been telling you about on this program. 
and they obviously encourage the privatisation of evaluation services. There's a very big multinational Pearson's that is uh, producing tests for people around the world and they are making squillions and I'm sure they won't be paying tax on that either. Well, perhaps I might be wrong there, but uh, perhaps uh, Mr Morrison's uh, tax office might might actually have a bit of bite, you never know. But uh, we, we live in hope, don't we? One small detail. It's very interesting that the $60 million a year school chaplaincy program, which paid for chaplains in 2,900 high schools, and it was started by Mr Howard, has not yet been renewed after 2017-18 in this budget. So it hasn't ceased, it has not yet been renewed. So I suppose this means that the coalition are testing the resolve of the, um, the Christian lobbyists. Very interesting. The government's $1.2 billion school funding increase is a little more than a quarter of the $4.5 billion Labor's promised to spend in line with the recommendations of the Gonski school funding reforms and it sets up a fight in the election campaign over this issue. Meanwhile, once again, the private sectarian lobby have quietly walked laughing all the way to the bank. The two-thirds of children in public schools will receive 38.35% of Commonwealth funding, while the private sector gets 61.64% of federal school funding. And spending on private schools is going to grow too, by 5% in real terms next financial year and by 7% between 2016 and 2019 and 20. Now, there's been a lot of commentary on, on the educational provisions in the um, federal budget. And in our press release, we give you uh, an indication of how you can go and look at those. The academic contributors to a very interesting website called The Conversation uh, are, they're very instructive. And the AEU has also commented. But unfortunately, the AEU, like so many others in Australian education at the moment, are hamstrung by talking about disadvantage all the time. Uh, and it is important. There is a growing inequality and unfairness in Australian society. Uh, and it is caused by state aid to private schools, all state aid to private schools, not some, all. And that is the dog's position. The emphasis upon lack of fairness and the growth of inequalities in Australian education misses the point unless you say you cannot have education for a democracy and fairness and you cannot tackle disadvantage in education if you boost education systems whose major enrolment objective is sectarian selection of children. Now, I asked a question along these lines back in 1973 when I went to the Carmel Committee and they were sitting there talking then about disadvantage and neediness in schools. And this, of course, was just a smokescreen for giving hundreds of millions of dollars to the Catholic education system so that Mr Whitlam could get the old DLP vote. And when I put this question to Carmel, 
He couldn't and he wouldn't answer it. How can you have fairness when you, in, in education, when you boost with public funding schools which select children on the basis of the ability to pay their religion or any other criterion, whatever? And later, I heard Carmel, after he was no longer on the Schools Commission, weeping crocodile tears about how difficult it had been because he had to give money to all schools. And the problem with the so-called needs policy started there, and it's still with us now, and we'll hear from, hear from Jane Carrow a bit later. She was on Q&A. And she is still weeping about the fact that we are giving money to wealthy schools. Well, the dog's position is quite clear. You don't give any public money to any school which is not genuinely public and public in access to all children. And we have never compromised on this point and we will never do so. Public funding should be for public schools only. So uh, that is our press release 655 and if you want to go up onto our website at www.adogs.info and find out more about the uh, budget and its implication for public education, you are certainly very welcome to do so. Now, I promised you a test and Dale is going to give you a test. Mr uh, Birmingham and Mr Turnbull are going to test our year one students in our schools to find out how good they are in literacy and numeracy. The poor little darlings have only been at school probably for less than a year and many of them can't even speak English. But this is the kind of test that uh, Dale is going to give them. Thanks, Jean. Yeah, well, I've got a comment here from uh, Rowan Dean that was in the Australian Financial Review on the 4th of May. And uh, he's he's. He's talking about the kind of test that perhaps a year one pupil might face. Uh, the, the comments entitled, What's a surplus? A budget test for year one pupils. Supporters of public education were stunned by the news that year one pupils will be forced to demonstrate their reading, phonics and, num- and numeracy skills in order to receive funding announced in the budget. The Australian Financial Review has obtained a draft questionnaire prepared for students aged six to seven by political correctness experts at one of Australia's leading universities. Here are the questions. For maths, one, divide 12 submarines into $50 billion and you get how many jobs saved? A, 4,000 in France. B, 1,800 in Australia, or C, Christopher Pines. Question two. You are a seven-year-old. When will you buy your first home? A, never. B, when mum and dad cark it. C, when mum and dad cough up the deposit. Or D, when labour abolishes negative gearing and house prices crash. Logic test. Question three. If you tax cigarettes so high that nobody smokes anymore, how much money will you make? A. Zilch. B. Nix. C. Next to nothing. Or D. $47.7 billion. Question four. 
How many surpluses did former Treasurer Wayne Swan deliver? A. Zilch B. Nix C. Four in one night Or D. What's a surplus? Question 5. 2 plus 2 equals what? A. Whatever you would like it to equal, because it would offend your basic human rights if you were to guess the answer but then were told it was wrong, resulting in you being humiliated in front of the entire class, which will lead to teasing, deep psychological scars and a lifetime of depression, self-harm, substance abuse, requiring you to go undergo transgender surgery and apply for disability support pension. B. C. A. Science. Question six. Climate change is A. Real. B. Happening in front of our very eyes. Or C. We're all going to drown anyway, so who needs to learn to read and like write proper and whatevs but? Phonics. Question seven. Identify which words you will not hear in Bill Shorten's budget in reply speech. A. With. B. Nothing. C. Something. Or D. Tax cut. Eight. SCOMO is A. A motor scooter. B. A lawnmower. C. A powerful toilet cleaner. Or D. Angling for the PM's job. Question nine. The word gonski makes you immediately think of A. Ice cream. B. Krispy Kreme donuts. C. Chocolate. Or D. All of the above. Question 10. What is the worst insult you can call a friend? A. A bracket freak. B. A bracket weirdo. Or C. A bracket creep. Question 11. What is the French word for sucker? A. Le Aussie taxpayer. B. Maurice. C. Malcolm. Or D. All of the above. Question 12. Define innovation. A. Nicking money from your mum's parenting payment. B. Nicking money from your dad's income support bonus. C. Nicking money from your babysitter's newborn upfront supplement. Question 13. If you have $100 but all the things you want and are entitled to add up to, say, $430 million, do you A. Borrow the money. B. Raise taxes. Or C. Try living within your means. Asterix. The asterix explanation says, The examination. The examiners apologise for the last answer. Clearly a mistake. So uh, that's, uh, I, it's not the real test, obviously, but uh, it does raise some pretty salient points. Well, somebody had fun. Mm. And, it's, and it's a good idea to... Uh, well, if you don't if you don't weep, then I suppose uh, if you don't laugh, laugh, then you will weep. But uh, uh, we certainly live in interesting times. Let's have a uh, a bit of music, shall we?
most of the public school advocacy people, uh, the AEU and uh, Save Our Schools and other groups, um, are going along saying that Mr Turnbull has forgotten Gonski and uh, that Mr Abbott promised there would be a Gonski, that he gave a Gonski, that he would give a Gonski, uh, and the AEU much the same. And uh, it certainly is starting to reverberate with people that there is something terribly wrong with the state aid issue and the way money is being used in uh, Australian education. On Q&A last week, Jane Carrow, who is a great public school advocate, uh, was asked a question. And uh, this is the question and this is the answer. I'm the product of a private school education. Even though my time in high school was in the 90s, the resources I had access to were better than the resources I have access to now as a teacher. Only five years ago, the school I work at had the blackboards replaced with secondhand whiteboards, and we just upgraded our classroom projectors to standard definition. I spent a lot of my own money providing quality technology and quality media content that my school cannot afford or finds too low a priority to fund. Our teachers expected to fill the gaps non-wealthy parents cannot fill. And if a private school can afford to pay for a new tennis court, why do they still get a desirable slice of taxpayer money per school? And my students can't even get access to a proper heating and cooling system. Jane Garrett. Well, indeed, this is the great dilemma of education in Australia. We have one of the most unequal education systems in the OECD. We have as much as six years uh, gap between our highest and our lowest performing 15-year-olds. Uh, and Gonski, which is not perfect, but which is the best option we've seen in terms of funding going to the right kids because it's evidence-based need which will um, attract the extra loadings required, Gonski is a really sensible, well-thought-out, simple-to-understand idea that does something that we've been un unable to do in Australia for decades, which is treat all Australia's children as if they live in the same country, <laughs> instead of separating them out. It absolutely, it actually terrifies me if we don't go through with the final two years of Gonski and we keep relying on the goodwill of teachers to fill in the gaps, as this very good questioner, an obviously dedicated teacher, points out. The average spend by a teacher in a public school out of their own pocket, average, is around $1,300 a year. Some of them, therefore, are spending a great deal more than that. And teachers, this may shock you, are not the most highly paid people in the world. I know of one school where the budget ran out for the cleaners uh, and the teachers found that the cleaners who were even less well paid than the teachers were paying for their own cleaning products to clean the school. The teachers therefore lobbed in and bought the cleaning products. And then we hear 
about schools like Scots College that made a profit of $3.5 million last year and gets $6.3 million in public subsidy and charges up to $30,000 a year in funding. But we cannot take a dollar from those schools for some reason I've never understood. Uh, worse, people keep telling me Gonski is too expensive. We can't afford to do Gonski. We can't afford not to do Gonski, in fact. But we can't afford to do Gonski. Well, you know why we can't afford to do Gonski? Because be we are because... Budget no deficit. No, because no school can lose a dollar, which means Gonski is actually more expensive than the formula would make it if the formula was followed properly. Because some schools, very, very highly resourced schools, might lose a little bit of their public funding if the formula was followed properly. Because we say they can't, Gonski is more expensive than it should be. In other words, we are justifying not properly funding the, the most disadvantaged schools and the students okay. they teach by, because <coughs> of the cost of continuing to public fund the wealthiest schools. That is outrageous. Caroline. Well, Jane Caro's uh, outburst uh, was fact-checked uh, by a number of academics and uh, they made a few amendments but on the whole agreed with what she had to say. And uh, we won't go so much into that. Uh, we know that Richard Tease and others uh, do know their facts and figures but we do give you a lot of facts and figures and we have already. But the AEU are also are more concerned about Gonski and what is happening to disadvantage. And this was their press release. Turnbull's budget fails fairness, test and abandons disadvantaged students. Uh, this was put out on the 3rd of May 2016. Today's federal budget, they say, has confirmed that Malcolm Turnbull will abandon needs-based Gonski funding and turn his back on disadvantaged schools and their students. The AEU federal president, Karina Haythorpe, said that Malcolm Turnbull's budget left schools $3 billion short of what they would receive under the full six years of Gonski and that it would deprive students of the programs and one-to-one -one support that they needed. It's failed the fairness test. Oh, we have a fairness test as well as a pub test these days by denying disadvantaged schools the extra funding that they need, Ms Haythorpe said. Students who need the extra literacy and numeracy programs, smaller classes and one-to-one -one support that Gonski can provide will be the losers from Malcolm Turnbull's failure to invest in our schools. And budgets, she said, are about priorities and Malcolm Turnbull has found money for tax cuts for high-income earners yet is unable to find money to properly fund our schools. He's failed to invest in Australia's long-term future by giving all the schools the resources they need to ensure that students leave school with the skills they need for life and work. So uh, the $4.5 billion commitment, uh, which Labor is now making, uh, is being taken up by the AEU. And uh, I think that anybody who is in favour of public education cannot possibly consider voting for the coalition and obviously the AEU uh, considers this too. They say that from 2009 to 10 to 2013-14, the combined government per student funding to public schools actually fell by 3% in real terms while private school funding rose by 10%. 
And that's why funding on the basis of need has become so important. It's been unfair for a long, long time. But I'd like to point out it's been unfair for a long, long time because state aid to private schools in itself is going to be unfair. You're going to get an unfair situation if you actually give any money, even a dollar, to private schools that uh, choose children. Uh, And uh, Haythorpe is saying that we cannot have an agile and innovative nation if one in seven 15-year-olds is at risk of leaving school without the basic skills that they need for work. Uh, She's also unhappy with the disability funding. The extra funding in 2016-17 will go nowhere near meeting the needs of the 270,000 students with disability. That's an extraordinary figure. We have 270,000 students with a disability in Australian schools and most of those would be in government schools, in public education. Um, Also, increased funding, which is promised for 2016 which does ensure uh, all students with disability get the support they need, is going to be delayed until 2018. As well as that, there's the whole question of TAFEs. Uh, There is a very, very smelly garbage tin lid uh, that is starting to come off the uh, training sector, training education sector, Nothing has been given to support the public sector of TAFEs or to fix the mess, the $19 billion mess created by the flawed vet fee help scheme. It's also failed to confirm funding for 15 hours of preschool beyond 2017. And that uh, uh, preschool funding for four-year-olds has been extremely extremely successful. 95% of four-year-olds have actually been receiving some kind of learning opportunities before they enter school and just how important this is for the children of non-English speaking background. So uh, that is what the AEU has to say and um, the Labor Party of course and the Greens are taking up public education funding and the whole notion of disadvantage as an issue. But nobody, nobody excepting perhaps very uh, high-profile people like Jane Carroll are prepared to confront the real issue, which is the state aid issue again. The funding of wealthy schools is what she is about, but the dogs say the funding of any sectarian school is really what the issue is about if we want to have a strong public education system for Australia. Now, I've also got some very, very interesting uh, information from a listener who lives up in the Castle Main area, but we'll leave that until after this announcement. For three years, teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm the proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's still not good enough that kids with disability miss out. 
You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. I've had a very interesting email uh, from a gentleman who lives up in the uh, Castle Main area and he has corresponded before. He's uh, very busily been looking at the My School website, which is a fountain of information for those who go there and analyse the figures. And... uh, If he agrees, then we will put his uh, findings on our website. But this is what he wrote. The analysis I've done came about when Stephen Elder, who was the CEO of Catholic Education Office in Victoria, claimed on the John Fane Show in 2015 that, quote, we, that is the Catholic Education Office or the Catholic schools, only get... 80% of the public funding that a public school receives and only 90% of that funding level when our fees are included. And he claimed that this was shown on the My School website. And then he also claimed that we save the taxpayers millions as our parents also pay. Now, listeners, those of us who who have children, grandchildren in state schools and also uh, look at what is happening in the local private schools, whether they're Catholic or other, um, know that this can't possibly be the case. In fact, a lot of state school parents with voluntary fees are now paying as much, if not more, than uh, parents who go to the local uh, Catholic schools. Well, anyway, this uh, person decided to check And on each document that he's produced, the final column indicates the percentage of public funding excluding fees which has been received by the Catholic primary school compared to the public primary school in the same community. So the first document is a comparative funding for just a local township, which is in Castle, Maine. And clearly... Uh, the finding is in this, that the local Catholic school St Mary's receives more funding than the four public primary schools in the town. So here is the Castle Main document. St Mary's receives per student uh, 13, well almost 14,000 uh, per student. Uh, the Steiner School uh, receives... Um, Ten thousand, ten and a half thousand per student. The Castle Main Primary School receives just over eight thousand per student. That's in federal and state um, funding. Castle Main North receives seven point six thousand. Winters Flat uh, receives eight point seven thousand, and Camp Creek receives 11.8 per student. So the only one um, that comes even close to what St Mary's, the Catholic school, receives is the Camp Creek um, school, which gets 11,000. So uh, obviously there is something going on here. 
As well as that, you'll find that the, camp, the children in the Camp Creek School have got a lower uh, socioeconomic figure, that's 981, which is below 100, than those at St Mary's that have, that have got a 1013, over 1,000 um, uh, social indicator figure. Uh, so those are very interesting figures at all, indeed. Now, there's another lot of figures here. The document two uh, is an expanded analysis to include most of the Macedon or the state electorate. Again, it's focused on the communities which had both a local Catholic and a public primary school. Again, the Catholic primary school always receives more public funding per student, regardless of the school's size or its socioeconomic uh, standing. So uh, for those of you who are in Victoria, you may in fact be very interested in this. The Kyneton Public School has um, a, a socioeconomic standing of 1,015 and they receive 7.8 thousand per pupil. But Our Ladies of Kyneton in fact, has a much higher social standing of 1,045, but they receive $9,173 per student, the total of federal and state funding. The federal funding, of course, is considerably more, but the state funding is 25% approximately of what comes in from the state. The Lansfield Public School also is well below the 9,000 mark. Uh, they only receive 7.8 as well. It's almost the same as the Kyneton Public School. But St Mary's at Lansfield, which has got 30 fewer students, which is, has got a, a much larger SES rating of 1,055, whereas Lansfield Public School's got 1,015. Lansfield Public School uh, gets... Um, 7.8,000 uh, and St Mary's, uh, which has got much um, much better healed uh, students in it, gets 11.589,000 per student. And uh, there are only 30 fewer students in St Mary's Lansfield and they get a great deal more, 300,000 more. New Gisman Public School, uh, <clears throat> which has got 506 students uh, and has got a fair uh, SES, 1,084, gets 7.3 thousand, but Holy Cross uh, gets 8.5 thousand and they have a similar SES. They're much the same. So obviously a Catholic child up that way is worth a great deal more uh, to the federal and the state governments than the um, combined than a public school parent. Gisborne Public School um, is similar. Uh, a child there is worth 6.9, that's about $7,000, but at St Bridget's, a child is worth 11000 to the taxpayer. At Woodend Public School, uh, a public school child is worth 7.4 thousand, but at St Ambrose, a Catholic child is worth 8.8 .8 to the taxpayer. Um, Woodend Public School also has 68% more student and um, 
For that reason, they only receive, but they only receive 43% more public funding. Macedon Public School has the same enrolment as St Ambrose and it actually receives $97,980 less public funding. Now, we're not talking here about capital and uh, income. We are talking about per capita funding from the federal and the state government. And these are the um, figures from the MySchool website. If you go to Dalesford Public School, you will find that a pupil there is worth 8.7,000, but St Michael's at Dalesford is worth 11.2,000. Trentham... It's a dear little place, Trentham. A child at the public school there is worth 9.6,000 and Tilden is worth 10 and 10,000. And Malmesbury Public School is also worth uh, 10,000 uh, for a child there. But none of them equal St Michael's at Dalesford at 11,000. Now let's have a look at Kyneton Secondary College. Um, at Kyneton Secondary College, uh, a student there is worth 11.7,000 and at Braemar, uh, they're worth 8.3,000 and at Candlebark, P to 7, they're worth 7.7. At the Sacred Heart, uh, they are worth, a, a student is worth 10.2. Now, the, um, they, the, the Sacred Heart, Braemar and Candlebark are all private schools. Kyneton Secondary College receives six million, six point one million, but the Sacred Heart receives eight point four million uh, from the government. And on top of that, you've got fees of over five thousand a student for eight hundred nineteen students. At Braemar College, uh, a, a student there is worth to the taxpayer eight point three thousand. Uh, and altogether they get $6.2 million, which is a good deal more than Kyneton Secondary College, but they have fees of 10873 a student, and they have 748 students. A Candlebark, P to 7, um, that's a private school also. Uh, the uh, child there is worth 7.7 to the taxpayer, and uh, they receive 1.176 million. Uh, they only have 152 students, and uh, but they have fees. They have the highest fees of all, of 11.3 thousand. So, on the face of it, Sacred Heart, unlike all of the primary schools, doesn't only receive 87 87 percent of the public funding uh, that uh, the the um, Kyneton Secondary College does, but uh, you still have uh, a very interesting uh, situation. And that is, in fact, um, what we should be looking at when we listen to Stephen Elder talking about the My School website. Uh, people make quotations from these, but it's best to actually check their figures. Stephen Elder has not been known for being in love with the truth 
and certainly the Auditor General uh, was very concerned about the state of his books. And uh, the Catholic Education Commissions are, in fact, big businesses that are being publicly subsidised. Whatever you want to say, they say that they're non-for-profit and they are charities. Well, I'm not sure that a school which charges fees before a child can go into a classroom is a charity. For some reason, I thought that charity was about giving, not taking. Now, there's a lot of other very interesting material here, uh, and I don't want to bore people too much, so I will leave some of it perhaps to our website and also uh, to next week. And hopefully uh, Robert will be back next week, and I'm sure he'll have fun with these figures the way he usually does. But I'd like to thank Dale for helping me out uh, the last few weeks while Robert's been enjoying himself in Europe, getting lots of information to bring back. So I suggest if you want any more information on the dogs, you go to www.adogs.info. And from Dale and I, it's bye for now.